Welcome to the Ladies of Horror Fiction Presents Stories of Horror. I'm your host, Tony, from The Misadventures of a Reader. We put the call out to the writing community. We wanted to tell your stories, and boy, did you all come through. I'm super excited to say this week I have three stories to tell you all by very talented women authors with a much, much longer story for next episode. So let's go ahead and get started. The first story I'm going to be presenting is called Salty Air by Sonora Taylor. And here is Sonora's bio. Sonora is the author of Without Condition, The Crow's Gift and Other Tales, Please Give, and Wither and Other Stories. Her short story, Hearts Are Just Likes, was published in Camden Park's Press, Quote the Raven, an anthology of stories and poems that put a contemporary twist on the works of Edgar Allan Poe. Taylor's short stories frequently appear in The Siren's Call, a bi-monthly horror e-zine. Her work has also been published in Mercurial Stories, a weekly flash fiction literary journal, and Tales to Terrify, a weekly horror podcast. Her third short story collection, Little Paranoias, will be out October 22, 2019. She lives in Arlington, Virginia with her husband. And now for Saltier. Saltier. Maggie didn't know why there was a covered well in the marsh. It had fascinated her since she and her mother had moved in with her grandfather earlier that summer. That well holds secrets we'll probably never know, he said when Maggie drew him to it on an afternoon walk. Maybe it holds the sea. Take a deep breath. Can you smell the salty air? He sniffed and puffed out his chest for effect. Maggie copied him, but rather than sigh, she crinkled her nose and tried not to cough. All she could smell was dead fish. A small rattle sounded near them. Maggie looked and saw the well's lid tremble. Her eyes widened, and she turned to her grandfather. But he'd already continued down the beach. Maggie hurried to catch up with him. Maggie's mother sighed as she sipped her tea. Her head was bald and her skin pallid. But Maggie could see shades of beauty underneath the pale. Cheeks with the blush of a rose, eyes as black as the ocean at night. Maggie had always seen her mother withdrawn. With each year she grew, her mother seemed to grow sadder. Her father told her that childbirth had left her weak, so Maggie had to do her best never to disturb her. Maggie didn't understand then why her mother insisted on bringing Maggie with her when she decided to run away. Don't I weaken you? Maggie asked as they drove towards her grandfather's house somewhere near the sea that Maggie had only ever heard about in her mother's stories. Weaken me? Never! Her mother ran a trembling hand through Maggie's hair. You keep me strong. Why would you think otherwise? Because Daddy said... What Daddy says are lies. Her mother's eyes narrowed, and Maggie swore she saw them darken in their reflection in the windshield. He stole things from me, things that kept me tethered to him, things that weakened me. He wants to do the same to you, and I won't let him. Is that why we're running away to Grandpa's? Yes. I need to go back to the things that I lost. Maggie, wake up. Maggie blinked the sleep from her eyes and saw her mother shaking her. What is it? He's here. Daddy's here. We have to run. Maggie bolted out of bed and followed her mother down the stairs, 
Run where, she asked. Away. No, honey, she swiveled Maggie as she moved towards the hall leading to the front door. Out the back. Grandpa's distracting him. They moved to the back door and Maggie heard the menacing softness of her father's voice float from the front door. You haven't seen them? He asked. Nope, they haven't been here, her grandfather replied. Maggie and her mother stepped outside and Maggie gently closed the door behind her. They ran as quietly as they could toward the marshes. Maggie felt the pungent odor of dead fish and salt hit her nose. This way! Maggie pulled her mom in the direction of the well. Something told her they would be safe there than near the water. They reached the well, and her mother let out a cry. How did you find this? She asked. I found you because I know these marshes well. Maggie and her mother turned and saw her father staring at them from the other side of the well. He smiled, and it was far from kind. I grew up here too, he said. I know where to hide in the marshes and where to bury the... The well rattled. Both her parents looked down in wonder as it shook. Maggie stepped back just as the concrete cover split into pieces. Black tentacles burst from the cracks, sending their briny scent into the air around them. Maggie screamed and her father looked on in horror. But her mother for the first time in all of Maggie's life, laughed. She grinned and held out her arms. The tentacles slithered up her arms and coiled into her head where they settled into a sheath of beautiful black hair. The faint rose in her mother's cheeks turned to coral pink as she dipped her hands into the well and brought out a mottled, shiny mat, one she draped over her body like a cloak. You wouldn't return to the sea, her father said with a sneer. You'd never leave Maggie. Of course not. Her mother's voice sounded like wind chimes made of seashells. When she grinned, her eyes glittered like lightning. But I can leave you there. Maggie's mother grabbed her father before he could run and pulled him towards her. She leaped into the well, a tentacle of hair pulling the lid over the top. Maggie heard her father thrash and scream while her mother laughed. She waited for her mother to return and took in a moment to breathe in the salty air. And that was Salty Air by Sonora Taylor. And uh, I didn't see that end coming when I first read Salty Air, but I think it was the perfect ending for that story. And I'm very glad that Maggie's mother took care of her father in that way. The next story I'm going to present is Daisy by Hallie Piper. Hallie Piper was raised in the creepy woods of New York. She's a longtime writer and editor with a bachelor's degree in literature and over a decade of experience as a professional proofreader and copy editor. She's big into speculative fiction, but loves horror the most, and she can't get enough of it. Daisy. Daisy encountered the boy years before she found him smiling in the barley field. She was minding her business in the store's lot at the town's edge, poking at garbage that might hide treasures. A dirty, skinny little thing, not so different from her, the boy toddled out of the store holding the hand of an older woman. This was a morning Daisy could never forgive. Look, Aunt Delia, he shouted a puppy. Daisy was young and small. She hadn't been called a puppy in a while. She approached the boy. Aunt Delia bent over, hands on knees. 
Isn't she cute? That's a yellow lab. Her hair is almost tawny as yours. She reached into her shopping bag. Daisy's ears perked at the sound of tearing plastic. Yes, there was treasure here. Your mom wouldn't mind if we share a little. Aunt Delia reached out, a piece of sweet-smelling meat in her hand. Daisy hurried to devour it and licked the residue off of Aunt Delia's palm. She didn't tremble when the boy's chubby fingers stroked the fur across her head. These seemed like decent people. Isn't it funny how people look like their dogs? Aunt Delia asked. Such a girl. I bet her owner looks happy too. The boy smiled around a missing tooth. I want to look happy. His petting hand curled into a tiny, tugging fist. Its fingers clenched around Daisy's left ear. My puppy! She yipped and darted back. The boy was still smiling, the dark gap in his teeth telling her to run before he did something worse than yank her ear. She dashed home fast as she could where she hid and waited. She found him again in the withering barley field near their old railroad tracks where conifers marked the line between town and lingering wilderness. Years had left her young but wiser. He was older but still the same. She recognized him by his hair like hers, by the gap where a tooth had been knocked out or never grew, and by the vicious smile around that gap. He was no longer a small boy but a lanky man smiling through tears. He was in some kind of trouble but proud of it. Daisy scratched at her ear and barked once. He looked at her, then his face brightened and that gap smile widened, as frightening now as outside the store years ago. She ran, he chased her. It was easy. he had had a shambling gait, his shoes ill-fitting. His body seemed out of shape while Daisy's was ever strong as she wanted. She kept just ahead of his grasping hands. Mouthy, he called to her like she would stop if he talked enough. She led him around the barley field a few times to tire him and then took off down the slope across the overgrown railroad tracks toward home. His footstep paused when they reached the dirt trail. It winded around reddened maple trees and yellowing underbrush to a small wooden stoop beneath a half-open doorway. Nature had retaken this place and left only one narrow house built of aged and water-soaked wood, its windows aglow with friendly firelight. Daisy looked back at the man that had once been an ear-tugging boy. The setting sun painted the red sky behind him, and a shadow fell across his face. Something had spooked him out of mindless want. What a greedy creature he was. He was hurting, she guessed. If she became his, went home with him, she would not make him happy. His pain wouldn't end. Possessing her would only change her into a thing like he was. Petty, listless, demanding, and then yes, his dog would look like him. But she didn't belong to him. She wagged her tail and squeaked out an encouraging yip that snapped him out of caution. He started giggling and the chase carried down the trail, up the stoop, and through the open front door. Daisy followed the warmth and the smoky scent along a short hallway around a corner to the library and its fireplace. Her mistress's chair, cushioned with red velvet, sat to one side of the doorway unseen from the hall. Bookshelves lined every wall, their volumes plump and well-read. The lanky man popped through the doorway still giggling.
his sweat cutting lines down his dirty face, when a hand swung from around the chair and grasped his outstretched arm and long, gnarled fingers. There was no chase left in him and even less fight. He didn't look at the chair right away, his gaze fixed on Daisy, his eyes reflecting where she sat ahead of the fireplace at the foot of her mistress's seat. It was almost as if he'd caught her in that puzzled gaze, his happy puppy. Her eyes grew large and red, damp, her tongue stretched to the floor. Her features twisted in the shadows cast by the dancing firelight until she looked more her age a wizened, haggard creature with hungry eyes and sharp teeth. She yipped once more, this time guttural and deep. From the chair came a heavy chuckle. At last, the man turned from Daisy to her mistress. Daisy reflected on Aunt Delia's quaint observation, but likely her nephew didn't think it was funny how some people looked like their dogs. Not funny at all. And that was Daisy by Hallie Piper. Um, I actually really loved that story when I read it. Um, I love the idea that a small, you know, person hurts an animal and the animal gets them back. And, you know, it's really interesting when people say that, you know, people look like their dogs. I don't look like my dogs, by the way. Okay, maybe I do just a little bit. Or my dogs look like me. Either way. Um, I do really really love that story so yeah and our last story of the evening is run ruby run by allison fay and allison lives in west yorkshire with her husband teen son and four rescue animals her short stories have appeared in print in the anthologies women in horror annual 2 stories from stone dead cades the infernal dissemination Coffin Bell Journal 1, and Crackers. Her debut flash fiction collection, Badlands, was published in January 2018. Her flash fiction appears frequently in The Horror Tree in Sirens Call E-Zines, and her latest supernatural tale from Domain, Domain Publishing, Night of the Rider, went into the Amazon Top 10 bestseller charts for horror. So uh, let's check out uh, Run, Ruby, Run. Run, Ruby, Run. The girl is a streak of crimson running across the gravel of Samson's scrapyard. Streamers of red hair whipping behind her. She is a flare of color, highly visible to any predators. Mammoth carcasses of burned-out vehicles surround her, while the jaws of drunken JCB snap at her flying feet. She is adept at tracking her way through the vehicular graveyard. I'm coming for you, Liam shouts. He leaps from one upended car's corpse to the next, landing with an ankle splayed out bent. Ow! I'm going to get you, Ruby. You shouldn't have messed with my gear. Ruby glances over her shoulder, chest heaving, her eyes scanning the wrecked vehicles for one of her hidey holes. The stolen rucksack banging on her bony shoulder blades. A shootout mini beckons her. Crawling through the smashed back window, Ruby huddles into the ripped leather seats. Out of sight, she slows her breathing and forces herself to go quiet. Ruby, where are you? She pulls out the pilfered contents. Several glassine packets with a white substance sealed within slide out. Uninterested in them, Ruby grabs for the sandwiches and monster drink and gobbles her only meal of the day. She's so hungry it hurts. Damn! 
Liam glances down at the trickle of blood seeping through his jeans. A metal shard skewers his right leg, protruding obscenely. I'm a kebab, <laughs> he thinks and giggles. He hobbles and stumbles. The little cow is going to regret pinching my pack and leading me on. Ruby, come on, girl. I need help. I'm bleeding. His voice wobbles, and now he's not entirely faking. Pain zigzags through his leg, shocking him with its bite. In the scrapyard, the metal hulks whiz as the wind whistles are inside their skeletons. Liam senses he is not alone. Something's out there with him. He lifts his head, staring around wild-eyed. It's not Ruby. The hairs on the nape of his neck prickle. He's being watched. He bandages his wound, tight as he can bear it with his bandana. Can it smell my blood? He can hear breathing. No, more like snuffling. Hot, heavy, excited breaths. And whatever it is, it's closing in on him. Liam gazes around the junkyard. He's long way from the front gates, and his leg is going to prevent him from climbing to safety. Cursing, Liam tries to jog, but his injured leg gives way. He watches his blood feed the dirt, leaving a scent trail for his pursuer. He can smell the thing now. Fetid. Sour. Unnameable. What the hell are you? Where are you? Liam makes himself smaller, curling into a ball, head tucked in. But it comes at him fast. Fast from behind a row of smashed up white vans. He glimpses a long black snout, tiny eyes, and smells the stink of its breath. Glimpsing the yawning jaws lavish with rows of yellowing canines and hears the crunch of bones. His. He screams. A long howl of agony as his bleeding leg is torn from his torso. Above him, a lean, dark shape grunts and chews, eating its fill, spitting out bony fragments. Liam crashes into oblivion. Snug inside the mini's metal shell, Ruby sleeps. Her eyelids flicker as she dreams. The long days of trekking around shopping malls, always on the lookout for food, have worn her out. It's tough being sole provider and support, feeding herself and her dependent. It's not as if she can claim for help off the state either. She's in a unique position. There are not many single moms like her. The rain wakes her pattering on the metal roof, creating melodies and blending into Ruby's dreams, dragging her back to consciousness. She listens to the silence. Liam's voice is gone. She sniffs the rain fresh air. She can't sense any trace of another person in the immediate vicinity. She climbs out of a gutted window and drops onto the damp ground. Looking around at the many reflective metal services in the scrapyard, she glimpses miniature rainbows in the oil puddles and beauty in the angular sculptures. This abandoned scrapyard has been a fantastic hiding place for them both. She's brought a series of guests here over the last few months. It's out of town and isolated. No one who ever comes here ever leaves. She waits. A scuttling beneath the body of a burned-out lorry draws her eyes. A shape trots toward her, holding a pair of ripped, bloody blue jeans in its jaws. Huge, tawny-furred, muscular, with a long snout and tiny eyes, the creature nuzzles her. Part wolf, part hyena, 
part. Who knows? Ruby has never been sure what else completed its DNA. It wasn't indigenous to this country, though. She knew that. It was unique. One off. Perhaps an alien. They had found each other a couple of years ago, both runaways, both lost and frightened and so young. The creature had fed her, found water for them, kept her warm at night and alive. She'd not survived those first few months alone without it. Now the creature had grown to its full size. It was no longer a pup and much harder to hide. So Ruby returns the favor and brings its prey. They look out for each other, share a home of sorts. She's even given it a name. Everyone needs one. Though she's changed hers from town to town, but Ruby likes this name. Plucked from her memories of the Bible stories her mom had read to her, night after night, when she and her mother still lived together. Hello, Samson. Ruby pats the matted fur, tickles behind the velvet ears, strokes the bloody snout, beneath which long canines protrude. The creature rubs against her hand, fur bristling along its spine and spikes, amber eyes closing in joy. You caught him, good boy. Enjoy your dinner? A low vibration erupts from the sinewy neck. Ruby smiles. Well done, let's get you cleaned up. The creature walks beside her, dogging her every step. Skinny striped tail held high, haunches rippling. In the twilight, the pair could be mistaken for a skinny teenager out for a walk with her large, mongrel breed unknown. And that was Run, Ruby, Run. Um, what'd you guys think of it? Did you guess how it was going to end? Um, I really liked the whole kind of Red Riding Hood vibe that Ruby had because she was wearing a red hoodie and her hair was red and, and everything like that. I really, really enjoyed it. I want to thank all three of our authors for submitting their stories to be read on the Ladies of Horror Fictions Presents, Allison Fay. Sonora Taylor and Hallie Piper. Thank you guys. It was fantastic. So what'd you guys think of the first episode where we had authors submitting their stories? It was really fun to go through uh, each story one by one. And uh, yeah, so make sure you guys continue to do so. If you'd like to submit a story for next month, we're looking for body horror stories. So please look at our submission page for the requirements. We stopped taking submissions for that month's podcasts, the first of the month. So uh, the deadline will be August 1st. If you'd like to reach out to the LOHF podcast, our email address is lohfpod at gmail.com. We would like to hear about new releases, news in the community, and suggestions for the podcast. You can find out more about the members of the Ladies of Horror Fiction via our website at ladiesofhorrorfiction.com. The music for this episode is by the fantastic Nicholas Gasparini at thedarkpiano.com. If you're looking for some dark ambient music to listen to while you, I don't know, clean your house or something, um, make sure you check out his website. All right, guys, um, it's, it's been fun, and I am looking forward to reading our last story in part two. It is a short story by Chris Kressler, and I'm really looking forward to it, and I really hope you like it because I personally, I, I really enjoyed it as well. So I hope you all join me for that. And next week, we're going to be doing uh, the regular Ladies of Horror Fiction podcast, and we're going to be talking about some creatures. I'm pretty excited about this one as well. So make sure you, uh, you, uh, Make sure you tune in, download, do it.
do whatever it is or make sure you you know subscribe or whatever your podcast app lets you do so have a good week and i will talk to you next week bye